0: Welcome to Primity, where we find simple techniques to help address modern problems for our primitive bodies. My name is Andrew Pafford, and I'm a health and wellness professional with over a decade of experience helping Olympic athletes, desk jockeys, and seniors achieving their goals and improving their quality of life. Our purpose with Primity is to distill results of scientific findings into easily approachable strategies and techniques to improve health and wellness for everyday life. On today's episode, we're going to answer answer a couple questions from John P. You sent them in, so now we are getting to brass tacks. So question one, if you were on a tight time crunch for your workouts, what are the four to five quote, must do exercises to maximize your time? Thanks, John. So this is sort of the quintessential if you want to call it like men's journal article, right? Like what are the Three best exercises for abs and blah blah blah. Everyone wants to kind of put a spin and say something is the magic bullet. If something was that effective, everyone would already be doing it all the time because the desu- the result would be undeniable. The reality is is that nothing is you know Lord and Savior for the exercise realm, and everything is fair game. Everything has a purpose and a place. That being said. If you are in a time crunch, obviously being able to knock off a couple birds with one stone is a great approach. The beauty is, however, that we can do lots of different movements that are what we call multi-joint motions or things that utilize many muscle groups in order to execute one movement. Think of a squat, arguably one of the quintessential movements, not just because it uses so much of our lower quarter but because it's also very functional as well. We should be doing squats every day on a daily basis without even thinking about exercise. It's just what we do to get down to pick up something from the floor, get out of a chair, bend down to pick up a loved one, you name it. So if I only have time to do a handful of movements, I'm not necessarily going to think about a particular movement that i'm wanting to do i'm going to be thinking about a movement type that i'm wanting to do so instead of thinking about shoulder press or shoulder flies or scaption raises or deltoid you know something with the arms i'm going to be thinking about pressing or pulling so you've got pec flies bench press skull crushers all of these things are pressing motions so if you're in a time crunch, and again, this also is assuming you have access to equipment. So if not, we can give you sort of the body weight uh, um, equivalence as well. So if I'm going to try to get a pressing motion, I'm going to think about either pressing straight over my head or pressing straight in front of me. So you've got a shoulder press and a bench press. I don't want to do both at the same time. So if I'm in a time crunch, I'm going to pick one pressing motion. Um, there's also variations that you can do, be doing on that. You can be doing a one armed shoulder press. You can be doing a javelin press. You could be doing an over, um, a, um, behind the back press. You can be doing a push jerk. You could be doing a split jerk. There's lots of different variations on pressing motions that you can be doing, but just picking one for that day and utilizing it and sticking with it. So thinking about your groups, you've got your press, you've got pulling, You've got legs, and I kind of like to break legs into either symmetrical or asymmetrically loaded. So if I'm doing a deadlift or squat or I'm jumping or I'm driving through both of my feet evenly, that would be your symmetrical loads. Your asymmetrical loads would be all of your lunges or stepping, things of that nature. So I'm going to try to do a press, a pull, Something with legs, whether it's asymmetrically or symmetrical. And then just to say I did it to make sure everything's working, I'm going to do something with trunk or core. So thinking about not just your ubiquitous ab exercises, but also back as well. So you've got your good mornings, your supermans, something to help that posterior chain as long with the what we would think of just as your Abs, right. So, if I'm short on time, there's no must-do exercises. I would say there are must-do groups. So, your four that I would argue would be a push, a pull, core, and legs would be as we would identify them. So, that would be my go-to, and then that gives you a nice variety because if you're cr- if you're short on time, you're not limited to just doing three exercises. Or if you're not a big exercise aficionado. You're not always doing the same three all the time and you get bored of doing it. It gives you a lot of room to wiggle, keep things fresh, but because you're still engaging multiple groups at once, you're still able to hit shoulders, pecs, and triceps all at the same time without having to spend you know, 45 minutes doing an upper body push day per se. So then number two, we've got does it matter what time of the day I work out? And are there advantages, disadvantages to working out early or late? So there are advantages, disadvantages to pretty much every situation because nothing is black and white. Otherwise, if it were so detrimental to one's health to work out late at night or early in the morning, no one would be doing it and the gyms would be closed during those times so that no one could do it, right? Um, It also depends on who you are as a person, too. If you're a bit of a night owl, working out at night's not a big deal. If you are a bit of a morning lark and you go to bed early, working out towards the end of the day could interrupt your sleep because it gets you a little bit more amped up, causes you to stay up late, and now it's harder to roll out of bed in the morning. Um, The other thing to take into consideration with working out during the time of day is your not just your schedule but what you're also trying to accomplish in that schedule as well. So really all these factors they kind of sound like common sense, but you'd almost be surprised how many people neglect to really think about their day and the kind of impact that exercise can have. It also depends on the kind of exercises that you're doing too. So if you're doing say a bodybuilding session where you're able to sit down, you're able to methodically work through your muscle groups, you're really tasking the muscle locally, but you're not placing a huge global energetic demand on the body. You can walk away feeling like you really did some work and have gotten some good circulation, going, some good pump and you've really kind of upped your level of awareness. So you can go back to work and like tackle some projects. If you go into the gym and you do like wind sprints or, a high-intensity interval training or CrossFit and basically something that just wipes you energetically, you are going to be a zombie for the next couple hours because your blood sugar is probably bottoming out. You know Everything is exhausted. You want everyone to leave you alone. You hate life for a while. It takes you some time to recover. Your productivity is going to go to crap (laughs) when you go back to the office because you're going to get in front of the computer and zone out for the next 30 minutes to an hour while your body is just trying to preserve itself and survive at this point. So you have to really also take into consideration what you're doing because saying, oh, exercise helps with mental focus. Well, if I do a hit round, my mental focus is gone. And I'm sure anyone else who's done that can attest to that where you just want to lie on the floor for like a good 20 and have everyone leave you alone, right? So what kind of exercise are you doing? And that will dictate what time of day you should be doing that too. So you don't want to be doing that when you need to focus at work and you definitely don't want to be doing that when you need to get going in the morning. Unless that's your only option, then that's fine. Also, if you're able to, I don't want to say sandbag, but we'll say pace yourself and not just really, really murder yourself energetically where you feel like you've got nothing left for anything else, then yeah, it's fine to do that earlier in the day or closer to the evening if you also aren't piling on other things too because different exercise different types of exercise can elicit different responses in the body like we've already established another one can be a hormonal effect so having your high intensity work is a physical stressor on the body you can release cortisol and other stress hormones so if you already have a stressful job and then you go do a stressful exercise bout, you're piling on, and then all of a sudden you need to go shut off and go to bed, that's not going to jive. So thinking about, and again, this is sort of speaking to the everyman in this situation. If you're an athlete, then time of day, you, know, you have to get done what you have to get done. You probably need to really think about tapping more into your stress management techniques if that's your only option. But for your everyman, where your goal can be whatever you want it to be because your job is not mandating that you, you know, drop 50 pounds and gain 30 pounds of muscle for the next superhero movie you're about to star in, right? So we're talking the everyman of we're just trying to survive. We're trying to stay functional, stay healthy, not lose muscle mass, and, you know, keep our hearts healthy and stay at appropriate level of body fat percentage, right? So for the everyman… If you are doing some bodybuilding work or some light and in, lower intensity exercise, so like walking on the treadmill for 30 minutes, that can be very calm and stress reducing. That would be very good to do later in the day, closer to bedtime. If you're going to be something a little more high intensity, then that could be good in early in the day to get the stress hormones, which you need stress hormones, they just need them at the right levels. So having some of those stress hormones early in the morning can actually help wake you up. So that can be a little bit of a rude awakening, but you'll be awake nonetheless once you start breathing heavy. So if you can properly refuel after an intense session early in the morning, then you're not a zombie for the rest of the day. So that's going to require appropriate nutrition planning around that particular event as well if you're getting off work and you find that those high intensity works actually help you work off some stress because that's a little bit more mental now then yeah you can afford to be a little bit of a zombie afterwards to get more of the exercise induced uh, fasting if you will and let's see here for our final question Speaking about nutrition is, is it best to eat on a – or is it best to work out on a full or empty stomach? Any pre-workout diet tips? So, again, this is going to be dependent on what are you trying to accomplish. If you are trying to, again, say do bodybuilding where you're trying to put on some muscle mass, you're not doing anything that's going to impose a big global energy tax on the body. And so if you're trying to put on muscle, you need to make sure that everything that your body needs is available for it to be able to repair and rebuild the muscles. So you could, I mean, historically I've had like a steak and then gone to the gym and gone through a lift session and was totally fine. There was a time where I had a banana 30 minutes before doing a high intensity session and I completely regretted it. So, it really depends on the activity and what you're doing. So if you're doing a light session or, excuse me, if you're doing like a segmented, non-globally energetic, low intensity, something toward along those lines, you can get away with having some food and then hitting the floor. Don't jump right in. Test the waters. Start with something a little light, whether it's just like a bite or two of something, maybe like an energy bar and see how it treats you or a protein bar. And if everything goes according to plan, then you can kind of ratchet up a little bit more. If you're doing something more high-intensity, then you would want to have something with some energy close enough to the session that it is what we call bioavailable within the body. It's been broken down, digested, and it's basically going through your bloodstream before your body starts to regulate and put any extra into storage. So you want to have given your body time to break it down. So we're talking about anywhere from an hour to two hours prior to exercise at least. If you are, say, fasted or you haven't eaten in a while, chances are your blood sugar is already going to be, start to be dipping. So if you start all of a sudden doing a high-intensity exercise where you start burning off energy insanely fast, You are already close to that lower threshold. Your blood sugar is going to tip dangerously low and you're going to get sick. Your body's going to start shutting down. You're going to get the shakes. You're going to feel really cold. You're going to want to throw up. That's the the bad news bears, universal sign for your blood sugar is tanked. And the only way out of this situation is to stop and eat something. I've had clients who I would train, one in particular, at, Bright, bright and early, 6 o'clock in the morning. He would roll out of bed, weight loss client, so we would do a lot of high-intensity work. And light clockwork, five, maybe seven minutes into a high-intensity round, he would fade. And in the beginning, we would just wait for him to feel better, and it took him 10, 15 minutes before he would feel a little bit better. We would make another attempt, and then he'd crash right back out again. Then... One day I said, here, take a bite of my apple. Your blood sugar is probably tanking. And literally within three bites, he was back on his feet because that sugar was so simple, readily absorbed by the body. It was enough to get him through that he would now, lesson learned, have a thing of yogurt before our sessions where it was small enough, it was light enough, it was easily absorbable enough that it didn't make him sick, so it didn't weigh him down, but it gave him enough of a sugar boost in the morning that he had that energy readily available. And it was like a new man where, yeah, the workouts were tough, and he had to stop and catch his breath, but he was no longer bottoming out and getting sick. So if you're doing something that is high energy, you're going to need energy to fuel you. If you are doing anything explosive, so if you're doing like powerlifting or Olympic lifting, where you're having to move a lot of weight very quickly for a short amount of time, you're also going to want to be fed. You'll be good for the first set or two, but your recovery following that is not going to be the same. You're not going to be able to achieve the same kind of numbers that you were getting on the first couple sets. And you're going to find that it just feels really heavy. Even though you don't feel tired, the waist is going to feel a lot heavier because the energy is not there. Relatively speaking, There's not enough gas. So you may have a V8 in those muscles, but without enough gas, you're not going to go very far very fast. You're going to run out of steam and you're going to be having to drive like a grandma just to get back to the gas station. So in this instance, if you are, let's say, deadlifting and you're doing like a a six by three, six sets of only three reps, but those reps are insanely heavy, the first set or two are going to go great. By the third set, you might not even make it to three reps. You might get to two and then shut down. And it just feels so heavy and difficult when you were able to do this the other day and can't explain why. A lot of times that that's a nutritional factor of you didn't have enough energy. So I don't recommend doing any heavy lifting or explosive lifting like clean jerks, snatches, plyometric work, doing anything in a fasted state that requires that level of intensity. If you're doing bodybuilding or lower in, moderate to lower intensity stuff, being in a fasted state is not necessarily a bad idea and sometimes can be beneficial. So if you're going for long runs, being in a fasted state is actually fantastic. So if you are, let's say you haven't eaten anything since dinner, we'll say 7 o'clock, you skipped breakfast, and you're about ready to go for a run. At this point, it's noon. This would fall into what we call a time-restricted feeding. Because you have been fasting for a period of time, your body now is switching over to burning fat as a fuel source. If you have fat on your body, then you have plenty of fuel with you. So if you keep your intensity relatively low, that is appropriate for your body to be able to mobilize fat from storage to burn as a fuel source. If you're just doing something in the gym like 30 minutes on the treadmill, then you're not going to burn that much. But if you're going for long runs like 7, 8, 10 miles, being able to utilize fat as a fuel source is going to let you go for days. So I would encourage people to look into training or at least if you're going to do a – We'll call monostructural cardio or something that you're just doing for a long period of time running, rowing, biking, swimming, you name it. If it's a cardio intensive sport that you could arguably do for hours at a time, being in a fasted state is going to elicit way better responses and it's going to help keep you from bonking. Bonking being the term where your blood sugar bottoms out and it just feels like you can't physically move. For some people, the quote unquote second wind that you get after bonking is due to what's known as exercise-induced ketosis. Well, ketosis or, in this case, fasting, utilizing that fuel or utilizing fat as a fuel source. So your second window, all of a sudden, your body's able to tap into the fat supplies because you've burned through the carbs. It takes it a hot second to switch gears. So because you went through you were doing exercise, burn through all that energy, you run out of energy, body needs to keep going, once it switches over to fat, exercise-induced ketosis, now you can go forever. Now you have a second wind. Well, if you've already fasted before the race or your training starts, there's no bonk. There's no wall to run into. You're already fasted. You're already utilizing fuel. So now you can just go right out of the gate and be able to manage and maintain a pace for... You know, and actually have a game plan and not pray that you don't bonk. So in terms of is it best to eat before or after, it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish. So the higher the intensity, the more you're going to want to have something in your system. The lower the intensity, the better you can, the more you can get away with not having something or even not having anything at all could be beneficial. So it really depends. If you're going to do cardio bouts, I would advise trying to get into a fasted state. That's going to take a little bit of doing. Don't just skip a meal just because. There's a lot more research that goes into that. But I would recommend kind of doing your homework into fasted states. And if you're going to be something more on the performance side of quick and intense or heavy, then, yeah, you're going to need some food and fuel. Uh, let's see. I think those are the three big questions for today. So thank you for that. Keep those questions coming. We really appreciate it. That gives us more fun things to talk about. Let us know what you all are interested in and we will try to get those answers to you for our future episodes until next time. Take care.